Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. You're back with B-Side Stories. I'm Laura. I'm Perrine. Perrine, keep us going. And we are here with Bambi. Um, So we've just talked a bit about, well, all kinds of things, but focused on statelessness and a lot focused on your studies in Thailand. Um, You've also done some work with the Mokin people in Thailand, including the fundraising that you recently did. Um, So just, you know, for me in Wellington, it can be hard to sometimes keep up with what's happening in the rest of the world and who are the Mokin and I didn't know what had happened to them until you told me about it. So can you just give us a bit of background of who the Mokin are and what their situation is? Mm -hmm. Um, So the Mokin are one of the maritime mobile populations are in Thailand, so they they live in southern Thailand, and their traditional lifestyle um, for centuries was that they they were maritime hunter and gatherers. So they roam around the oceans, and they live on the boats, and they had not much interaction with the state, and yeah, so they they live. They're the sea people. They're, yeah. they're the seafarers, you know. And so they have amazing knowledge of the sea that has been passed on for four generations. And anyway, in the last few decades, um, they have been more and more sedentarized. So meaning like they they have been more, um, so less mobile than Mm. the generations before. And um, after, I mentioned before, after the tsunami, the 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 Moken have become more well known even in Thailand because before that um, the normal Thai population wouldn't really even know about the Moken. Mm-hmm. But after the tsunami, um, they they this gained, is the big tsunami in yes 2000 in two thousand and four. Yeah. Yes. So hmm. how, how many Moken people are there? Is it a, lo- a lot? No, they're they're quite small um, as a population. Yeah. Um, so in around maybe two thousand or wow. yeah, so it's not it's not a big population, but a lot of them are stateless. So anyway, um, long story short, so after the tsunami, you know there was an awareness on the Mokin and their stateless status. So they they some of them gained citizenship afterwards, but the problem is that it's it's not all of them. So some of them only and and. I, I won't bore you with the details, but again, it's something that has to do with the the issues with documents. And right. Yeah. So so some groups of the Moken don't have citizenship, and some do. And um, so this is one of the the long term problem that you know we started trying to give citizenship to the Moken since two thousand five, and until now, like. Even though they're such a small population, um, the problem is still there. Mm. And so we're, we're just hoping um, that among the academics actually who work on this issue, especially the ones who live in Thailand, they've been amazing at mobilizing um, for the public to know more about the Mokin. Yeah. And, yeah. and there was a tragedy recently with 
fires? Yes. So um, in February, uh, one of the Moken villages, because after the tsunami, they, they've been, they've been settled, set up, on, settled land. on land uh, in one of the national parks. This is one community in a national park. Yeah. And, and there was an accident. So there was a fire that actually destroyed um, most of this particular community. Yeah. And, and this was one of the research sites that I, I did uh, visit. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I emailed um, some whānau and friends and mm. uh, trying to raise awareness and funds for, for the Mokin um, community. Yeah. And, and yeah, so now from what I learned through the, the activists and academics who work with the Mokin, um, they're seeing this as an opportunity to, to rebuild the community and, you know, have the participatory process for the Mokin to have more say in, in the, if they're going to rebuild the house, how and what and, Right. Yeah. So trying to see this as a process to to rebuild the community. And yeah. was it a case of the, the houses that were built or the dwellings that were built after the tsunami were not necessarily suitable or? Because the Moken, they did have, um, before they've been settled on the on the in this case, on the beachfront of the national park, um, they they were more mobile. So for them, you know, it was the first time having to really live really close to each other um, in one stretch of land. Mm. So, so this quite is a change not, to their yeah, lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. So so for them, um, also the restriction on on. Fishing and because it's in a national park, yeah, right. So, so that's a total change to the yeah. lifestyle. Yes, so um, it's really complex, and it's it's again this issue of you know the tension between um, conservation on one hand, right, quote unquote, with the, you know like and to the, protect yeah. fish, fisheries and, and, and but at the life. same time, I mean, a lot of people, of people would argue that. The Moken, they are the one who know the sea. They're the one who, who are actually the guardians of the, the marine um, diversity. You know, because the way they move, allows the fish, to to, and the ecosystem to grow back. So they don't stay in one place, right? They move around, right. so they don't overfish. They don't, they don't um, harm the environment right. like that. But but of course now that it's part of the the national park it, it's it's more contentious and mm. and um, um, also now with the Moken not having citizenship a lot of them are vulnerable for you know to be exploited by the big fishing companies who use their knowledge of the sea and get them to do um, for example Harvesting of sea cucumbers and and other sea products that are illegal and but but it's worth a lot of money, so they've been basically hired to do um, those activities. 
Right. And so they're they're kind of moving into that cash economy rather than just harvesting the sea cucumbers that they might need for themselves. Yeah, that's more like being exploited for the the dirty, the difficult and Mm. dangerous work, you know, the 3D work. And yeah. Yeah. We talked about how there was maybe a couple of parallels with um, the proposed Kermadec Ocean Sanctuary in New Zealand, and um, that because um, <laughs> because some Māori have fishing rights up in the Kermadec mm-hmm. Islands, mm-hmm. that if it got turned into a marine reserve, that those fishing rights wouldn't necessarily exist anymore. Mm, so now I think the yeah. government's trying to work out to do with that. So it is kind of issues yeah, that definitely we do face some similar issues, even though it's not the same. Um, so do you think that what's happening with the Mokin is significant because is that worse than what's happening with other populations that you've seen in Thailand? Or is it just, or is it the, the size of the population? No, I think every every population's issue of every population are uh, they're all important, you know. So I don't I don't see them as like being less or more important. Mm. Um, but but one thing that is interesting is that the Mokin is not the only population in Southeast Asia that are the maritime mobile population. There are other groups in the 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 sea region, the Zulu um, zone um, between. For example, the Philippines, Indonesia, and Malaysia, they're the other sea nomadic population there that face the same kind of issues mm. as the Mokin. And there are also the Mokin um, in in the southern part of Myanmar, you know. So right. so there are, like, nomadic or mobile population around the world, not just the sea, yeah. not, not just the sea um, mobile population, but the other mobile population around the world. Um, face this kind of issue with the, you know, increasing um, focus on documentation, Mm. on the notion of the citizen and illegal migrant. Mm. And, yeah, so so the lifestyle that have been there for hundreds of years is now seen as being, you know, um, the... Sometimes it's been positioned as a threat of national security, and right. yeah, so it it it's this trend that is applied not just with the maritime population, yeah, and not just the nomadic population either, but it but can it can lots of yeah lots of population on the move. Mm. So, so you're not Mokin, no, but <laughs> you have worked with them a bit, and so. Coming from a different group within Thailand, how did you have any problems kind of building up trust in in those relationships, or how does that? Um, definitely, I am aware, you know, of my identity as the part of the majority group that that is basically. Um, usually being portrayed as the opposite of these minority groups in my country. Mm. And and being part of the majority group is, is and when you're a researcher, of course, it's, it, it, you have to be aware of these power dynamics that, yeah. that comes to play um, when you do research. 
um, but but I with the Moken I I didn't just go there by myself and you know mm. um, did liaise with the the community organizations mm. that work closely with them and so there are people that they already trust so I I was being introduced through those communities and right and so it's so it it allow I think for the for the bridge to kind of be late for me, yeah. for me to to build a bit of trust yeah. and um but but the the research I did um with the Moken are much more um brief and shorter than the research I did with my participants in the north okay but I do plan to um return and and continue yeah yeah the research on that yeah. So if there are listeners who want to know a bit more about the situation um, or maybe just get, in, get informed or maybe get involved or somehow contribute, do you have any ideas or recommendations of what people could do? Mm-hmm. Um, for resources in English, uh, this website called projectmoken.com. So it's project and then M-O-K-E-N.com. Um could be a good place to start learning more about the Moken. Mm. Um, but but yeah, so that would be a good place to yeah. start, um, especially if you don't speak Thai <laughs> or if you don't speak Moken language, then, yeah. then, you know, this this is the, I guess, the first place to start learning about the, the population. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So um, kind of back to the bigger picture stuff, I guess, not that that's not big picture. <laughs> um, what do you do? You have thoughts on like what you see as kind of big issues coming up, both I mean, both here and for you, and or globally um, relating to migration and statelessness. And... Yes. Um, so in in this age where the you know. The politics have become increasingly polarizing, and and uh, the right wing um, parties around the world have gained more and more support and popularity. Mm, in that real nationalistic yeah. strand. Yes. So the issue of migration is always going to be this hot seat for debate and and for manipulation and yeah. and for in shaping, you know. The, the public's opinion, um, not only in um, immigration policies, but also what kind of service would you give to people who are not considered citizen? Mm. Right? What kind of inclusion, what kind of space that you're willing to extend? Um, so this this tension between us and them and, and the majority and minorities and the one group against the others is something that I think it's, it's moving in the direction that is not where we want to go. So um, um, it would be very important, I think, for us as individuals to think about the way we participate in this kind of discourse and how can we learn and educate ourselves more. Mm. And it could you know, start by something very, very simple, such as having a at least one or two friends to start with who don't think the same way as you do 
and it could be just that kind of diversity of thought, even you know, yeah. to to challenge you and to kind of. Um, it's kind of like an exercise for <laughs> being more <laughs> open, right, and being more tolerant because Absolutely. that is something that that is easy to do, you know, to avoid people who who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who mm. don't speak the same language as you, who don't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and as we kind of have, you know, this world with yeah increasing nationalist groups, and um, you know, now we're thinking about things like climate change, refugees. Um, and also um, we have situations like in the in Australia, the detention camps. Yeah. That's um, kind of increasingly yes. worth putting our minds to and our thoughts to. Um, and so our refugee quota in New Zealand will be increasing next year. So just in the last couple minutes of our show today, any thoughts or kind of like messages about how people in Wellington and New Zealand, I mean, I think you started to allude to this before, can play a part or make this work as well as possible? Like, so, you know, going from challenging ourselves to have friends who think differently, um, any other kind of hot tips or tangible actions that listeners might want to consider? Yes, um, I'm really glad that, you know, the numbers is going up and I think it's a great sign and I think um, it shows New Zealand commitment and and attempt to to be part of this, the response to the global refugee um, crisis. Mm. Um, but, but that's a start, right? It's, it doesn't end there. Um, making space for inclusion is something that, you know, takes the effort at every level. So not just the policy level, but but very much um, the everyday life level. So I think for individuals, um, there, there are several things you can do. Well, you can you can um, educate yourself about why the refugees have to yeah. to leave. And what what propelled them, you know, to yeah. to flee from their from their home, and and second, I think as a long term project, um, we we I guess have to keep refining or rethinking and having conversations about what it means to be a New Zealander, right? Mm. Like how how do we how do we include the the people who who are not in the the narrative, you know, the who, who, who are not a traditional narrative yeah. of like, okay, this is what our country is about, yeah. because this is now what your country is about. Yes, also. that's probably a really nice note to finish us off on. Um, so thank you so much. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.